This is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Ask Brothers Rant. Download all our content on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Enjoy. Of course you do. It's fucking on or what? We're on. We're in, I think. Hello. <laughs> um, we're back. And we haven't done a post-match. We, we haven't done a, a, a post-match or a weekly podcast in fucking ages because we, we stopped and we started doing all the monthly podcasts. But uh, Toby and I out here in four-degree freezing cold fucking Melbourne in Victoria in Australia are in our second full-blown lockdown. So we've been all put back in our houses for another six weeks having the place opened up. And uh, we have realised that we have time. And when we have time, we have time, unfortunately, to watch Arsenal games and talk about Arsenal and read through the toilet that is Twitter, especially <laughs> especially today, the garbage that is existing on Twitter. But beers? Man, he's drinking some rum. You can't see him, but he's definitely drinking some rum. And uh, <laughs> we're here to talk about the malaise of the game that was the North London derby. And uh, never let it be said again that the crowd has no effect on games or on the emotion of the game because that was just about the hardest thing to get up for that I've had to do in a long time, in a long time. Scunny, mate, fucking difficult, huh? No, yeah. It was awful to watch. It really was awful to watch. I don't know what I don't know what to say without actually going off on one. I really don't. It's um do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking pieces I mean, of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, we were talking, we were chatting today in the uh, in the in the our WhatsApp group that actually it's a uh, Formula One is getting us through, or rugby league is getting us through, or horse racing is getting us through, or for Ryan jacking off to fucking Spice Girls Bukaki porno is getting him. Yo, through. Sporty Spice can get it. Sporty Spice all day. No, but he's, jacking off, he's jacking off to Spice Girls now, not old Spice Girls. He's like he's like banging in like washed up MILF porn. And it's just like fucking hammering. No, it's the, hammering it's the two on one. Over. It's a stepsister, stepmother. It's both of them together. Yeah. The body but yeah, unfortunately, we did all watch the the North London derby, and um, actually, even more unfortunately, if you look through the vast majority of our predictions, we had actually uh, entered a level of having some positivity over the last couple of weeks as well. Toby, was your expectation met, exceeded, under delivered? What do you make of it, mate? What do you make of the North London derby? Mate, I, I thought it was going to be a hard-fought and dull draw, much like um, much like the Wolves away game. I thought it would be quite cagey, man-for-man man, um, type of approach. What I didn't expect is the level of cuntishness from Mourinho not even to bother to play and let us shoot ourselves in the foot. How is that surprising from a Mourinho team? I... 
I almost felt sorry for Spurs fans at one point because I'm like, they're not even playing. They're not even bothering. And then towards the end, when I realised we had about as much penetration as you after 27 beers, it just wasn't... It just, it just wasn't going to happen, you know. And, and you, you know implying, what you are you implying that Tottenham's dick was al dente? It was the right yeah. length, but the wrong. No, no, dente. no, no. Arsenal's dick was al dente. It was <laughs> oh, okay. not even. It was overcooked. We were trying so, to hope that if we folded it in half and got it in, get hard, and we could do something with it. <laughs> correct. So anyway, the the sinking feeling started arising when we had the dominance of pressure. And they were countering so hard at us and so quickly that if we lost the ball, we were basically giving up an opportunity. So I went from feeling sorry to Spur, for Spurs fans to my hatred of Mourinho becoming palpable because I realised that he'd figure, figured it's us out. I am, I'm, to be honest, Toby, I'm most surprised that your hatred for Mourinho had receded so much. And I'll tell you where uh, another another person on our a wonderful panel tonight has just, just been having the time of his life. Dan Potts, the pod whore. Mate, you have been digging deep into the cesspit that is Twitter. And you've sent me some voice notes today that have just they've, they've just killed me. Can you give us just a little bit of taste of, of what some of the reactions you've seen in the toilet that is the Twitterverse has given you? Man, Arsenal fans never cease to amaze me, Max. Fucking hell. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The thing is, this is not a shock and we shouldn't be surprised by this reaction. Yeah, We shouldn't be surprised by Twitter meltdowns and Arsenal fans becoming as deluded as they always have been. But some of the stuff today has been, has been hilarious. And I've been abused and criticised for being right and saying that I think we'd finish eighth. It turns out I was being optimistic because now it looks like we're going to finish ninth. So when people sit there and go, oh, you are Man City, you're bands. That means if we come fifth, we're not going to get in the Champions League. That was my first laugh. That was my first laugh. Yeah, I like the two, was... there's two parts to laughing at that. Number one, the Arsenal fans who thought that anything would ever stick, that, that any of that would ever stick to Man City and that they wouldn't just have a little backhander in the, you know, somewhere else. Or or the Arsenal fans who actually thought that maybe there was a possibility that we would get fifth. Because I don't think that fifth has been an option for us for... The, Since the before past, Project Restart, fifth was not an option. It, it, it's, it's, it, it's crazy. So then you had the people saying we could get fourth, then we lost to Man City, then it's like, oh, well, I'll take fifth then. Then we lost to Brighton. Oh, maybe we're going to push for sixth. <laughs> and then there's still deluded fans out there that think we're going to easily get Europe still. Wednesday, we are not going to beat Liverpool. And Villa and Watford are fighting for something and we're not. So who thinks we're going to take three points out of both those games? Not me, because there's nothing to be bothered to be fighting about. This season's just been total disaster. It's why I didn't want it to start. It's proven why Formula One and horse racing is now my sport I'm going to be interested in for the rest of this time until new, the next season. But Twitter and social media meltdowns. Last week, Mustafi deserved a new deal because he's been fantastic against Wolves and Norwich. Yeah. Rap for two games. Thank this, you, Shep. Two games. That, gives, yep. that oh, gives him I'm another one on so many fucking levels. Honestly, Fuck that gives him another two or two or three year contract for Mustafi after two games. Now, oh, get rid of him. Get rid of him. Awful player. Awful. Kalasanaku, I've been saying, has been shit for years. 
for months and months I've been abused and saying I've got a personal vendetta against the guy. That's the best assist that Son's ever had in his life. Lucas Moira hasn't managed to do that all season. <laughs> Fucking Galasinac, what is he doing? This guy sucks. He is so shit. It is unreal. He can't play football. It doesn't matter if you put him at left back, left wing back, left centre back. He's so uncomfortable on the ball. This guy sucks. But then there's people that have told me he's been fantastic in a back three this season. This season, wow, why has he not played there all the time? I can't see what these people are seeing. And then you've got these idiots on Twitter now coming out saying, I know what our problem is. I know what our problem is now. I've worked it out. Zach Medley, Zach Medley needs a chance. And Ryan Fraser needs to be bought to replace Reese Nelson. And we'll be okay. We'll be all right. That's what needs to happen. Do you know what's really got me on Twitter today, Dan? Unreal, it's, the, it's the anti-Arteta agenda, right? Oh, don't, oh, it's, 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 it's this merry-go-round for Arsenal fans. We'll bring Manny in because, you know, you know he's chomping at the bit just to shout at people. But the merry-go-round... Oh, I, know that, I know Manny's with me on this one. Fucking the hell. merry-go-round that Arsenal fans get on where they go, like, coach, player, Stan Kroenke... Back it's a cycle. It's like, it's like this repetitive, ridiculous cycle that they can't break where they say, bring Ozil into the team. Take Ozil out of the team. It's the coach's fault, replace him. Nope, it's the board's fault, replace them. Don Raul, Raul's a cunt. Go the Cronkies. Look at the spreadsheet of how much money the Cronkies spend. Arteta's a cunt. Arteta is my god. Sell survive. Buy Sabios, make Mustafi captain, give him a new contract, £350,000 a week for Oba. Then all last week when I was on Twitter saying over and over and over again that £40 million for Aubameyang over the three years was excessive and didn't need to be done and that we'd be better off just playing him next year, letting him run down his contract and losing him on a bossman. And everyone's fucking saying, oh, you've got to give him the money, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. Twitter's full of people today saying he was absolute shit. He didn't affect the fucking game. He didn't show up. He didn't run hard enough. Manny, the merry-go-round of the Arsenal fans is, is is quite fucking... It's something to behold, is it not? <laughs> Just a second for our viewers listening on. Um, is anybody surprised, really? A genuine question is anybody surprised no. this is why this is why um see i get you know comments that um anti-arsenal and <clears throat> i criticize the fan base too much well you fuckers keep giving me ammo so i'm gonna keep on using it it doesn't surprise me that there is a an anti-arteta agenda he hasn't had the time to get his own players in but let's criticize him let's absolve the terrible technical ability of some of these players let's absolve and reward some of these players that have shown you exactly who they are time after time after time why is everybody surprised that Kalasenak fucked up he has fucked up so many times over the years how many more times how many more examples do you need before you're told that he's crap Mustafi. Let's talk about Mustafi. Rip in. Rip in, man. You know what? Do you remember the do you remember the part in the game when Kane just completely left him for dead? Right? Yeah. I had a I had a flashback, my brothers. I had a flashback to to <laughs> to Wilfred Zaha doing the exact same thing. Right? 
he defended exactly the same way as he did against Wilfred Zaha when he scored that goal. And everybody is surprised by this. He has shown you this already. Right? He's shown you this. Why are you surprised? Why are we screaming and shouting at the defence let us down? The defence have been letting us down for over a decade. Why are you fucking still surprised? How many Can I just make a, point? Can I just make a quick point? How long have I been saying about Mustafi? How long have Years, I been saying about Years. Mustafi? Years, look, bro. If, I, if I'm completely honest, look, was Mustafi the, the focal point of Arsenal losing today? No. I, I don't think that Mustafi was the focal point. I think he had a poor game. Yes, I, I, I thought he had a pretty poor game. I thought in particular in the last two weeks, his um, his lack of patience when we're playing up against low blocks. So Wolves were very, very compact and Mustafi just kept pumping useless balls in and the ball comes back at us over and over again. And I thought it was the same thing with a very negative Tottenham today. The, the funny thing about the Mustafi thing is there's a moment where Son goes past him at about 20 minutes and he stays on his feet and he shepherds him out and he doesn't go in. He doesn't get sold the dummy from Son and he stays up and he makes a challenge. He puts it out. And I wrote in the notes, I'm like, this is what people are seeing in Mustafi. This is why people are starting to say, okay, maybe he's waking up. Mate, like a freight train, Mustafi comes back and just bins that fucking comment. It's like 30 minutes later against Kane. He loses Kane on the outside and he goes, you know what we need here? A Superman slide from 20 yards away. You know, and, and you know what? It, it wasn't just it wasn't just that part of the Max. It was like people were saying that, like you just said, people were saying that he doesn't slide in anymore. There was one point, I think it was <laughs> Lucas. Uh, it was Lucas Mora. I think it was Lucas Mora. Mustafi is nowhere near the cunt. And he slides in. And it's like, it's like, wait a minute. It's like, oh, hold on. This is the guy who should be getting a new deal by some people. This is no, the guy who we should be given a chance to because he's played three, four good games in a row. I have a, and an, an, I don't feel sorry for saying this. Some of you Arsenal fans deserve exactly the mediocrity that we are in right now. You deserve it because... You refuse to acknowledge the crap that we have. You want to continuously give chances to poor players. So you deserve the mediocrity that you are seeing because you are back in this. You want this. So do not complain. Please. Ryan. It's so true, man. So true. Ryan, was the stuff that we saw a couple of weeks ago the the you know the the glimpses of better parts of playing were those all red herrings were those all false leads or i mean are, are you still on the are you still on the same kind of bandwagon that a lot of the let's let's separate the arsenal fans out from the extremely stupid arsenal fans to you know the the standard arsenal fan are you on the same bandwagon as the standard Arsenal fan to still look at this and to still look at Arteta and still look at the positivity that we bought into the Tottenham game and and think that this is still something that is moving forward? I mean, I don't know what Dan's talking about. Uh, I think we're mathematically, we're, we could still get in the top five. So I don't know why we're all complaining. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I mean, the thing with Mustafi and... I've been kind of cutting him a little slack because uh, 
I feel like Arteta has coached a little bit out of him as far as him being a coward and going to ground every five fucking seconds. But as you saw, uh, you know, it also starts with his system too. I, I think, you know, he didn't get any help from Louise. He didn't get any help from uh, Kolasinac, obviously. And I think that kind of just – he's like, well, fuck. If, if, my two, if, if my two partners in crime are going to fuck up, then, you know what, fuck it. And, you know, old, old habits die hard. And I think, you know, we saw a little bit of that. Uh, kind of what you guys are talking about. Uh, Kane just running right past him and him trying to take out Kane. And he wasn't even close. I don't even think he could touch his shoelaces. Um, and it sucks because, you know, deep down, you know, I don't, deep down he's a World Cup winner. He, he's my homie. You know, six years ago, six, six years ago to the day. Time out, time out, time out. Six years ago to the day he won a World Cup. Stop, stop, stop. See, what? This is this is see this is you you were going so well you were going so well no, right? but I, and, I'm and hold on hold on hold on hold on this is why you need a slap right <laughs> this is why everybody who keeps saying this needs a slap right Mustafi being a World Cup winner has no bearing on what he's like as a player. I know I was being he I was he kidding. no you weren't no you weren't yes, don't I, lie I don't lie you weren't kidding. Right. Well, he actually he, is a World Cup winner. Him? Listen, from the bench. listen. He's a World Cup winner from the bench. Yeah. No, badly a World Cup it's like, it's like It's like Mendy, right? It's like Mendy. Mendy has, you know, City's Mendy. He has one of the most successful careers, and he's barely played in anything. He barely played in the World Cup. He barely played in the City title wins, but he's going to get those medals. It's like Mustafi. So when people say, oh, we have World Cup winners, it has no bearing on what they're like as individuals. As individuals, the majority of World Cup winners suck. Mesut Ozil won a World Cup, and he's a complete and total I was, cunt. I was going to mention him next, but man, he had to cut me off. The thing is, though, it's not just it's not just fucking World Cups, is it? Jimmy, Jimmy Traore won the Champions League, and Dennis Bergkamp never did. Who would you want? Who would you want? Sonogo yeah. <laughs> won an FA Cup, boys. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we need to stop this. We need to stop, you know, what they've won is a parameter for how they are as footballers. It, it, it has no bearing whatsoever. Fucking, what's his name? It's the collective. Dennis, fuck, Dennis, not Dennis, fucking the other cunt, same name, Suarez, plays for us. Cedric, right? That fucker's won a Euro. Are we all going to stand around and, like, jerk off because he won a Euro with, with Portugal? It's, it's, it's yes, ridiculous. Arsenal fans do stand around and jerk off over something. That, that, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, but don't, but don't, don't worry. Yeah, but don't worry. Let Bellerin go because we have Cedric and AMN. And I'm like, no, that's not the point. The point was let Bellerin go and fucking buy someone who is better. Not let Bellerin go and fucking put someone else who's equally as flawed as them just in different <laughs> fucking parameters. The, the, thing that thing- gri- the thing that grates me about this Cedric Suarez, look, look, at the end of the day, Southampton didn't want him. What does that tell you? They're willing to let him go for a free. (laughs) Yeah, they loaned him out on his last year. That tells me everything about Cedric Suarez. So, do you guys? I'm I'm not. I'm trying to play devil's advocate. Do you guys blame Arteta for for because he obviously no. I blame Arteta for anything because when you get when you get food poisoning, right? When you get food poisoning, do you blame the chicken or do you blame the chef? Do you blame the person who made? The, the person who handled the food, the person who gave you the bacteria. Arteta right now, right, is he's a, he's a beautiful, succulent, like, like on the crown fucking like partridge, right? 
At so, times. so you're saying it's all, it's all PR. Like he, he doesn't believe that Cedric Suarez is as good as he says he is. Mate, I'm not I, don't, like, I don't even know where this analogy started or where it was coming to a fucking end. I'm, I'm still talking it. about a partridge on a crown being like based in butter and like turned over in a pan. But the chef is fucking drunk and the partridge is six weeks old and it never should have gone in the pan ever. And I don't know who's holding the pan. I don't know whether Don Raul is holding the pan. I don't know whether the fucking Cronkies holding the pan. Maybe the Cronkies are the kitchen, right? And then Don Raul is the chef. And then Arteta is the pan and Arsenal are the chicken. Man, go home. You're drunk. Fucking the- hell. Yeah. Hold on a minute. <laughs> no, I just asked, like, I asked the question because Arteta came out multiple times and said Suarez, Suarez's attacking prowess is the best in that position that we have. He's he's gave him constant you know praise. And I'm not saying it's justified. I, I don't know. I'm just asking a question. I don't. Because I've seen him play, what, one game? He scored that goal. We covered this off last week a little bit, and I I think it got brushed over because it was in between me saying a load of fucking stupid shit. We said last week that the the thing with the Premier League player... One sec, Max. I want to hear from fucking Toby, mate. I want to hear from Toby. I want Ozzy Kiedis to come in on this, because you've been really just sitting back and watching the chaos happen. quiet. The vo- you're, the vo- you're the voice of reason here, so come on in, bruv. Come on in, man. Yeah, I, I've, I've been waiting. I've, for, for a start, I don't see the point in us, in a cyclical manner, going around and shitting on all our own fucking players every week because one person fucks up every week, whether it's Louise from the other week, whether it's Mustafi, whether it's Xhaka whether it's Lacazette who's running in fucking quicksand, whether it's Aubameyang who doesn't put in enough of a shift, he's not enough of a hold-up player. So I feel that you play as a team, you win as a team, you lose as a team. So I don't really understand the value in retreading old ground constantly of singling out players under immense stress, yeah? So I felt that... So let's talk about... Mustafi again here, even though it was Kalasanach that put us in the pup right from the start after we'd gained the ascendancy. He plays in his own little team of three or four on the right side. Because we don't play with a number 10 or a striker of any value that brings anyone else into the game, it's his stress to play the forward playing pass, which gets the attacking play moving. So, He's the one that's tasked with that. Therefore, he's the one put under that pressure. So if he gives it away, he's the one that we go after. So I'm not excusing him sliding in or doing his usual stuff. Like that stuff's fairly hilarious and it's flawed um, in terms of the approach. But the reason that's happening is because a game plan has been put in place. They've drawn us out our whole thing about having 80% possession is is our back three are all about ball-playing back threes, and they start off every attack. We don't have a number 10 receiving the ball. We have two midfielders that are largely bypassed. We've got cowards all over the pitch not showing for the ball. They're not moving. They're not showing any desire. They're stagnant. We have no number nine to hold up the play or bring in the the wing forwards or the wing backs on the overlap. You know, we are literally waiting for players to take a risk and beat 
the press with either an incisive pass or draw in the press and beat them with footwork. So my voice of reason, my 30,000-foot um, look down on all this shit is that it's a systemic issue. We don't have the quality of players overall. We don't need to go round and round in circles shitting on individuals all the time. We know the team isn't good enough, but we win as a team and we lose as a team. Sorry, Toby, do me a favour. Stop talking fucking sense, will you? Toby, if people wanted to listen to podcasts, to listen to fucking you sit there and say, let's all be fucking sensible, then no one would listen to any podcast. Yeah, I just want to all the time. I don't need this. I say, can I counter that? Can I, can I, can I just counter what Toby sure. just said? And, and most of it I agree with, but here is the reason why we go round and round in circles and shit on these players is because overwhelmingly, especially on this podcast, we are told that we, we don't know what we're talking about. We mm. get shit on for pointing out the obvious. We get shit on for saying, you know, on other platforms that these players are not good enough. We get told we get shit on for being unarsenal, bad fans. We get shit on for having a different opinion to the consensus, right? So when we point out that, you know, Mustafi playing well is all well and good, but at some point he is going to cost us, we get shit on for that. When we say that Kalasanak is a poor footballer, we get shit on for that. So mm. this reaction that you're getting of us shitting, you know, on, on these players is a reaction from being told that we are wrong for having the opinions that we've got. Mm. We have the opinions yeah. that we've got because we watch football. We we watch these guys. We see it. So even when mm. we are logical in our opinions, we still get shit on. So now we come back and it's a reaction and we tell you, we've told you this. This is what we've told you. This is the reaction. Mm. But they won't I, so I, guess, I guess the, the reason I can remove myself from it is that I don't engage on the shitstorm of social media as much as you guys do. So I think that enables me to have a different, differing perspective. I'm, I'm positive if I was engaging with all these fucking cretins and all of their <laughs> flip-flopping <laughs> opinions that changes... Tell them, tell them what you think, Toby. They're going to dislike you more for using which, intelligent words for the which, pack of retards they are. Right which, now they're which, all like, they're all like, what, did he call me? <laughs> which, 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 which their, what does ambivalent mean? Who's a they are, their <laughs> opinion changes with the wind. They're as solid as a bloody what is it? A, a wet paper house? Is that what you were that saying? Was Ryan. The other That's week? Ryan. Ryan's yeah. as solid as a jelly. Their house conviction is paper. as solid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so if, if look, I'm rambling now, but um, if if I was engaging that heavily, particularly on cesspools like Twitter then I'm sure I'd have more of a angry reaction rather than a cool and calculated one. Look, guys, I think that the... Oh, my microphone keeps falling over. I, I think that the, um, the crux of what both arguments are essentially answers the question that permanently gets posed on Twitter in this merry-go-round of, of, of arsenalness. And I think what it comes down to is the reason why we go around the merry-go-round, the reason why we go from the players to the Cronkies to Don Raul, and I think unreasonably people land on the coach, but maybe not with, definitely not with previous coaches, but I think with Arteta at the moment, is that it is exactly what Toby says it is. It is systemic. It is through every single aspect of the team. 
I think what Dan was getting at very, very early on is that the concept to think that it can go back to the manager, the concept to think that with all of the instability around the club at the moment, the way that the club feeds us narratives, and they don't just feed us narratives. I don't mean like propaganda. I mean, even like the uh, the results feed us narratives. You know, take the Ceballos performance against Norwich, for example. So all of a sudden, everyone goes from sell Ceballos, sell Ceballos to keep him, keep him, keep him. But you look at the quantity of space that he was afforded in that Norwich game, and any midfielder with any technicality at all would thrive there because no one is pressing on him. He's walking through, and it wasn't until halftime that they they change it, and he then disappears out of the game. And it's happened in halves with Ceballos a few times now. Again, he had quite a dominant first half and fell away. Norwich, he had quite a dominant half and fell away. What was the previous game? He was very good Wolves, in the first half. Leicester, Wolves. all of them. Right? Yeah. Because eventually they teams start looking at it and you go off for a half and the coach sits there and says, okay, this guy is completely pulling the string. Let's go and shut him down. I think sometimes with our fan base, the easy conversations are something that our fan base has all the time. And the tough conversations are something that we often do get shit on for bringing up. So I put a comment up on Twitter. I've already had a bit of not heat, but a bit of disagreement and discussion about because everyone wants me to continue to stare at the failures of our back three, whether it's David Louise looking really slow and really tired at the moment, Mustafi returning to form, Kalasin playing a terrible pass, and everyone tells me that all of our issues are at the back. And I watched today's game, and I actually didn't notice the back as much. I noticed huge problems where we're heavily, heavily invested. And uh, who am I going to chuck it to? I'll give it to Dan. We haven't heard much from Dan since the start. Dan, I put up on Twitter that Pepe and Aubameyang cannot start together, that you cannot have two sides of a three-pronged attack who both don't want to get chalk on their boots. Aubameyang won't whip across him with his left boot. Pepe won't whip across him with his right boot. And that regardless of what your inverted commas best front three are, Saka provides balance regardless of what side he is because he's predominantly assist mentality and assist-minded. And people came back to me and said, oh, what are you looking at the front for? It was absolutely fine. For me, Pepe was the worst player on the pitch. Everything broke down with him. What frustrates me the most is it's different frustration with these players because the frustration we all know at the back here, the frustration is the the idiotic individual errors that they make. The frustration with uh, Pepe for me is I think he's got bags of talent and I think he's got bags of potential. Didn't take on a shit left back once. Cuts mm. in again on his left. Ben Davis is like, bro, you're making it so easy for me, mate. I just know where you're going to go every time. And I'm going, please beat him. There's no point of Pepe having pace. We've never seen it. We've never seen him have pace because mm. he just slows everything down. And I'm not going to get on his back too much because I still think he needs time. But I just sit there yesterday and I think, please just beat him. He's on a yellow card. Knock the ball and just fucking run. Trust me, you will beat him. Aubameyang, he gets the ball and how many fucking times does he need? If that's Lacazette, how bad was, how on bad the back was of his you. first half miss? That, that miss in the first that was 10 awful. minutes. Uh, yeah. shit. Back. His that was body wasteful. position is wrong. Everything's wrong. It's a schoolboy miss. It's, but then it's the one, and then he, he has all the time in the world, and he hits the crossbar. And it's like, fucking hell, people say, oh, that's unlucky. You should be burying that. I don't care. You should be burying it. Yeah? He has that one. 
the whole game, yeah. I thought he was he was in we're, my minus. We're he, all he nodding. Yeah, he was in my minuses one hundred percent. I thought he was dreadful, yeah. and the front three, they just don't work. It doesn't matter where you play them. If one goes on the right, one goes through the centre, it doesn't really matter. And the only good thing about Aubameyang, and people say, oh, I hate him on the left. I do. I like him through the middle, personally, right? But he's he still ever done, What's he ever done to prove to you that he's good through the middle? I think that's one of the most yeah. garbage fucking and is, arguments and this on is the what internet. I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. He scores goals whether you play him on the left or the centre, right? So he's still doing his job. Lacazette, I would just... Honestly, I don't even think he should be getting in games. I know that he scored. He scored a screamer. Goal, he scored a screamer, screamer, and I couldn't find positive points for him. Even well, though he scored he... a screamer, I couldn't get him in there. Look what he did at the rest of the game. Yeah. I, I mean, just zilch, absolute nothing. Not interested. Heads in the clouds. Clearly mentally affected. No confidence. Doesn't seem to care. Doesn't seem to want it. I just think that it's time to cash in on this guy now and. I honestly believe Europe is done. A lot of people are saying we can still get it, whatever. I think that's done. So let's let's get rid of these players then. If they are that great players that people are telling us, then they need to be playing European football, don't they? So they need to go to the you know the, the teams that are qualifying for Europe so we can start again because at the moment it's crazy. And just lastly, because I've got to shoot, just lastly, Arteta, people blaming Arteta. I don't see what he is supposed to do when he's putting a player into the team that does make a mistake, whether your name's Bellerin, Chaka, Mustafi, Kalasanak. And people say the answer is play Zach Medley or play Rob Holding. Or play... People were complaining about Rob Holding the other week. He got a man of the match performance against Southampton, came on against Sheffield United and everyone said he was garbage. So he hasn't got the tools, Arteta, has he? If you was to build a cabinet and say, don't get a scratch on that cabinet and you give me some shitty wanky tools to work he's on like it, a, I'm going to scratch like your a cabinet. Kitchen. He's like a kitchen, right? <laughs> and he's a pan with a piece of chicken. Manny Riz. <laughs> and, 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 yeah. and right on, Dan. Uh, right on. But, Manny Riz. But, and, Max, 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 sorry, mate. I've got to shoot off, man. I've got to go. Mate, but, no one cares. Just fuck you know, off and do it a, quietly. Bit of pleasure. See you, boys. All right. You take it easy. Manny Riz, the uh, the idea that Pepe and Aubameyang can't play together and that we require that more neutral style winger who is more assist-minded, does that resonate with you? Is that something that yeah. you feel is, is accurate? And if that is accurate, would it not make sense to let Aubameyang run down his contract and, and put the time and the effort into the kid we just spent 60-odd million pounds on, not into a 31-year-old? Yeah. When um you know the talk of the deal came out, I was like, you know, at a, at a push, give him a year, three years on that money. No, we, it's, I'd give him. We're, I'd we're give him three hundred and fifty for one year. I'd say have a one year extension. It's three hundred and fifty. I'd bank that. Like I'd be Max, happy with that. Max is a, is it's a, it's a year for me. It's not three years on that kind of money. We would be making the same mistake. Mm. With with the whole, you know, Pepe refusing to get chalk on his boots, I'm thinking whether this is a system thing. I'm thinking, you know, we're trying to duplicate on the right hand side what's being done on the left. When yeah. Tierney is bombing forward, Aubameyang always leaves the spot for him, and he always goes infield. But when I see, you know, for Pepe coming infield, I have a feeling this is it's it's just a system thing. The problem I have with Pepe and Aubameyang, right, is you can't rely on them to do both sides of the game consistently. You cannot mm. rely on them to do this. So 
Or you well, can't people, have two people in the team who you both can't rely. You can carry one Maverick in a team. You can't carry yeah. two. And you go throw Urzel into that mix like people want as well. And you, oh you've got God. three of the fuckers. We have we have too many players that we just we cannot rely on a lot of these players. But this is what Arteta has. And he's been he's been given this Pandora's box and he's like, hey, figure it out. And he's a mm. novice. He's an absolute novice who hasn't got the tools and he hasn't got the players to play the way he wants us to play. Aubameyang on three years on that money. No, what are people talking about? It's because he scores well, goals, but they can't see, they cannot see that putting Aubameyang on that sort of money is exactly what we would be doing with Ozil and now we can't get rid of him. So again, we've got a player who's not going to get any better on that kind of money. You get no resale value. You get no other team is going to want to touch him and we're stuck with the bill. Toby, Toby and I were speaking about this a couple of days ago and we were talking about wage parity. In any business, you need to have, so people need to be paid within certain resistances for doing the same or a similar job. So if you're going to take Aubameyang's input for the year and then you're going to take, say, Saka's input for the year and Aubameyang is going to have a 300 or 400% loading on top of Saka, it creates something where there's no wage parity anymore it doesn't work the structure of the systems don't work anymore and if you're looking at that 350 and i know people argue and said it's 250 it's not 250 it's 250 with a twenty thousand pound goal bonus plus a bonus every time you play in a winning team that gets above 70 70 minutes or something like that and it goes on and on and on right and toby you and i were having a brief chat today and we we sort of stumbled over a I don't know whether it's a horrible realisation, but definitely a, a realisation that there is one type of player who within this system right now would actually be way more suited to what we're playing. And we're not we're not falling back on old swords or falling back on old lovers. But, Toby, you and I had a good solid conversation about we think that Olivier Giroud contributing 14 goals oh. a year, probably contributing 10 assists making late runs into the box to get onto Tierney's, Tierney's crosses would be contributing so much more than Lacazette in the current oh fucking system. God. Let's bring Rag Ramsey into the team too. Let oh Toby speak. It's not about that, you bunch of fuckheads. I know. I'm just listening. Listening. It's not this about bringing back Shabru. It's the time to play. Before you come in, Toby, before you come in, I did a preview for the North London Derby game, which I tried to upload to my YouTube channel, but it was taking way too long, so I scrapped it. In the exact preview, I said the exact same thing that you are going to talk about right now. Awesome. Number okay. nine. Go ahead, please. Please, I, I'm what I'm talking about is because we're not particularly because we're not playing a ten anymore. There's no link up player, so you need that number nine to sacrifice themselves and some of their goal scoring. So you need Lacazette to be a foot taller and have better link up play. We've got we've got two wide forwards who like to run narrow. So they need someone to drop deep and link up the play. You're firing balls in from your Mustafis of the world, your Jackers on the other side, you know, like really fizzing the ball in. And you've got someone who's got a very heavy touch that doesn't bring others into the play in Lacazette. So whilst I'm not saying Giroud was the answer, you can see how a player of that ilk can bring 
others into the team. Bring on the midfield into the team. We score no goals from midfield. None. They can bring on overlapping wingbacks and actually get on the end of something. We spend a lot of time crossing, but we don't really have anyone who enjoys heading the ball, let alone mm. bust a gut. To Especially get when box. you have a Tierney with three or four different types yeah. of crosses, cracking and, and, the shits for his strikers because yep. they're not making runs into yep. the box for and, him. And, and this is the thing, and, and I know I'm prone to, you know, hard-ass old English players and, you know, that intangible of, you know, of effort and desire and all of that stuff, you know, that makes idiots like me gets their dick hard. But effort, I'm not seeing it from our from our players, particularly our front players. And and as a lovely little tie-back or segue, which we never do on this show, I think that's what <laughs> Max was getting at in terms of the back, the, the defence isn't always the problem. The defence gets put under more pressure when the front players aren't doing their job. Because what happens is we push everyone forward, you get a team that's comfortable on the counter-attack and they just let us come, let us come, let us come, let us come. Wait for our error. You saw that they weren't flying in, they weren't rushing up, they were just sliding from side to side and we were like, oh, fuck, better go the other side. Oh, fuck, better go back the other side. Meaningless possession until someone showed the courage to, you know, make an incisive pass and then they just break and they mm. break with, with speed and tenacity and that's what exposes the back line. So, yeah, so tying it all up, I, I think attack is as part of defence as anything else. When I'm looking at the type of striker that we need if we're going to keep continuing down this similar system, and I know these are all old has been, so don't pull me up on it, but I'm thinking back now towards <laughs> your Benzimas, your Mandzukic's, your Giroud's, because that number nine hasn't become an outlet for us anymore where we need 30 goals a season or 35 goals a season. What we need is 50 goals a season across our front three. And mm. I think if you look at the output of everything that we've got, those goals aren't there. I think if you look at the top mm. teams, they're now sharing those goals. You're not seeing those those massive Van Nistelrooy seasons, those massive Thierry Henry seasons anymore. I mean, Vardy is almost a, a throwback to quite an old-fashioned mm. striker when you think about him in in a lot of senses, mm. and yet everyone's sort of hitting me and hammering me down and saying, well, well, why are you looking further forward when that's where all of our, where we're all geared? I'll tell you is another really... Easy to be, it's easy to be shit on, you know, for having that sort of opinion. One player that, you know, this fan base loves to shit on a lot, which I, I don't quite understand, is Firmino. Because... I would love... I think Firmino is one of the best players on the planet and he stitches Liverpool together. Exactly. Because Firmino does a lot more than score goals, and one of the things that people will point to is that, oh, he hasn't scored a goal at home all year. That doesn't matter because what he brings to Liverpool is a lot more important than him putting the ball in the back of the net at Anfield. His work has allowed not only the Liverpool midfield to work, but has allowed Mane and Salah to do what they need to do and has mm. allowed Trent and Robertson to do what they need to do. Firmino, if he gets a goal, that, that's just a bonus. But what he does for the team is a lot more important. Fans refuse to see that because they just assume, number nine, you should be scoring goals. Mm. But football football, football has changed and it's become such a, a, a different animal now. Scunny, well, something that's that I my thought point. Was... Can, can I make one point? And sorry to interrupt, Scunny. We either 
we either go for what we were talking about and that linking number nine, the one that sacrifices themselves to bring others into the game, or we stop playing possession-based football and we start... What are we going to do, just tear it all up again? Counter. Counter. So you you can have a less good team that works its fucking hole off that, you know, and the repeat sprints and all the athleticism that we were talking about last time, and you become more of a counteract team. So it's about play- tempo and it's about offering different shapes for me. The problem with Arsenal right now is the shapes are so predictable, right? And I put it in my 3 2 one. So I don't know if you guys picked up on what I was saying, but I was talking about Bellerin and him changing the shape and why I liked what he did today, and that's because we were so predictable, playing the same shape, same shape. So our left side plays a shape, our right side plays a shape, and Manny was alluding to it. The, the, the What's his name? Davis was just looking at Pepe and saying, I'll just show you the, like, I'm just not, there's no point me even not showing you the outside because you're not going to take it. I'm just going to shepherd you where I need to go. And Scunny, I, I think it's interesting to, to look at modern football and to look at changing angles and changing shapes and players running into different positions at different times and then looking at our player who is our performer of the season. And our performer of the season is Saka. And we have looked more balanced every time Saka is on that pitch. And for me, I'm not even fussed whether he plays on the left and Pepe plays on the right or whether he plays on the right. Bamiang plays on the left. And I know he didn't do a great deal when... He came on. But is Arsenal fast becoming, not even fast becoming, but have been for quite a while, but an incredibly predictably pattern-played football team to watch who played a very consistent tempo and never really in any amazing fashion? Well, to go on Saka first, the, the damage had already been done by the time he come on. So yeah, uh, there's nothing he could have done regardless of anyway. Even though you can't pin everything on an 18 year old, uh, you can't. Well, you can't pin your hopes up on an 18 year old. Not only that, I think what you're saying is yeah, it, it's the same thing with Arsenal year in year out. We see the same mistakes, we see the same issues. It's the same thing all the time. And when you, it's oh, I'm just trying to think what else. Oh, I've lost my train of thought. I don't know why. It's it's the it is the same things all the time, Scunny. It's yeah. the same shapes with the same players and the same flaws and the same types of players that we buy. Yeah. Well, this is it. This is the, that's the issue. It is always that same problem. Now, when you go to look at Abamyang, people say the one in through the middle. He's never been a central striker. So why even try and put him there? You know, he's, he's always been a left-sided forward. He was a left-sided forward at Dortmund for how many years before he came to us? He's not going to change at 31 to become a central striker. Mm, absolutely. See, Joel, just Joel rule that one out completely. Just, just Joel, rule that out completely. Joel De Silva in our chat group just said that he actually did feel that Saka changed the flow of the game. And he, don't forget, he didn't get a huge amount of time there. He ended up over at left-back. You know, and I put up yeah, another yes, tweet saying... Yeah. Oh. Ryan, I put up a tweet uh, towards the end of the game saying, isn't it a mark of Arsenal now, of the of the modern Arsenal now, that <laughs> we're waiting for a 19-year-old to come on? So from 30 minutes on, we're standing there just desperate for a 19-year-old to get on the pitch and save us. Isn't that something that we need to be looking at as a club and saying, that's not good enough, That that's not enough for a big club that we can't, 
that we're waiting for this kid to come on and save us? I mean, it, it goes back to the tools. We don't have the tools. And um, this is, I love Arteta. And this is kind of where I, I, I was I was a little surprised. I, I thought uh, Saka should have came on as left back to begin with. I don't think Tini necessarily played bad, but it wasn't one of his best games. And I, I've had him as a man in the match for like three or four straight games. Thought he's put he's worked his haul off. He's done what he had to do, but um, to make all these changes, and especially for you know, a young nineteen year old to have him come in on the right, and then have him to go left back. It's just I don't think it's good for him, as you know, because let's face it, he's our future. Whether whether we like it or not, he's he's part of our future. You know, we resigned him, we resigned Martinelli, and I and I, I kind of put someone on another podcast how I think we have too many Milners, but. But not, but but no one. I don't really think we have just, any fucking Milners. No, I would listen, love a team listen, of Milners. You no, fucking no, 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 no one knows who the <laughs> fuck they're playing. You have Saka coming in as a right winger. You have him go in, left in, back. In that in that sense, I agree with you. If you if you're talking about, we have too many players who don't seem to have a special. Exactly. Don't they don't have. They, they, they don't have a hammered down position. That's, yeah, that's what I'm trying to. And say. we've done we've done that with Oxley Chamberlain. We've done that yeah. with you know always wanting to play. What's his fucking name? We sent him off to Everton. He's Nigerian. <laughs> we, you know, we often wanted to see Awobi played inside, and we didn't get to see him played inside or not. We've done it with Ainsley Maitland Niles. You know, we've gone and got players like Sabios, who we've been easy a number ten, as Scunny was saying. Yeah. He played a lot of the time in Spain, off the right in a slower league. We bring him inside. Is he deep? Is he a box to box number eight? And I mean, at the end of the day, if you're just going to keep bringing it back to to any form of um, of cohesiveness, it has to come down to the systemic failure of the board and the systemic failure of the recruitment. And it's another jump onto the merry-go-round to go again and again. Um, and incredibly difficult for us to actually digest or pull apart in any way. Uh, Manny Riz. When I looked mm-hmm. at the two lineups between Tottenham and Arsenal, mm. I still felt that Tottenham had more. I still felt Tottenham had better players in their team than what we had. But really? I looked to our bench. I looked to our bench and preferred uh, our coach. Yeah, I, look, I'm not saying that they will be better players forever. I think there's a lot of promise, not a lot of hope in our squad. But I looked at their squad and I thought there's a more cohesive squad. There's a squad that's probably heavily, heavily underperforming, which we'd expect after losing arguably their best manager of all time. And I still looked at our team and thought, Louise is shit. Uh, Kalasnak is shit. Mustafi isn't good enough. Bellerin is on the downslope of his career. I'm looking at Ceballos and saying, Ceballos is is quite a good player, but I don't think he suits our system. Xhaka is now essentially a when he's playing well, he's a square peg for a square hole, but never particularly interesting with what he does. I look at Pepe and say, I still don't know what the fuck you're meant to be. I look at Lacazette and say, you're really, really, really an underperforming center forward. And then I look to Aubameyang and wonder what he's going to do for the day. Manny, did we get what we deserved in the end? Is that our level? Uh, We're getting what we deserve, not just in that game, but overall in the season. When this is, we are where we deserve to be because we've been diabolical this season. Let's get that through our minds. We've been we've been terrible. What I saw was a terrible Tottenham side. Yeah. They were they were atrocious, right? With 
the way they play football, and and this is this is why I this is why I don't go on Twitter, right? Do you guys remember old WWF? Not 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 crap bro, WWE, bro. Come on, man. Old Hell WWF. Yeah. I'm going all the way back now. There was a faction, an underrated faction called the Nation of Domination. Domination. Right? Oh yeah, right? Twitter. Me. Twitter is the nation of retardation for Arsenal fans. <laughs> right? <laughs> it is the <laughs> like somebody who claims to be an Arsenal fan, and, and this was sent to me. This is goes Mourinho plays better football than Arteta. This is not football that Mourinho plays. Mourinho is basically who hits you in the back, then runs away. That's Mourinho. So in this game, we didn't take our chances. Obama Yang had three very good chances. One was a save, one completely mishit it, and then another, you would expect him to bury it. Again, we keep talking about conversion rate. We keep talking about you know, Obama Yang is a world-class striker. If that is the case, when he's on the left-hand side, he buries it. He had enough time to bury it. But look we at his miss this. in the first 10 minutes, like, like I said exactly. earlier on. That is an awful miss, and he has been exactly. doing that for us from the start. We got what we deserved against Leicester because Aubameyang, not Aubameyang, Lacazette was wasteful. Yeah, yeah. We got what we deserved against Tottenham because we had chances. We had them on the ropes. It's not like we had pointless possession for X amount of time and didn't create. We did create, but when we created, we were wasteful. This, these are teams that you're supposed to bury. You scored mm. that goal, you make Mourinho and Tottenham play a brand of football that he doesn't know how to play, which is mm. he's got to be the aggressor now. He's and got to come probably, out and play. And then our players would have come into the game. Our Pepe's come our into players. the game. Our speed men come into the game, yeah. Exactly. This is what happens when Toby, you you're on mute, champion. finish your food. <laughs> you're on mute, yeah. champion. There you go, yeah, buddy. No, I was going to say it completely, it completely changes the tactic, doesn't it? If it, if course. he's set up, if he's set up to counter, and that was a delicious cross from Bellerin, and that was the the first time in a long time he skinned someone with pace Hector, and Hector power. Had a real, Hector had a really good game. You know, if, if 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 that two in a row get, for Hector, no, no, for sure, I agree. If that get, gets buried, which it should have, that was the perfect number nine strikers. I wouldn't say tap in. But, but he that's, doesn't that's score number it. nine strikers goals, which is why people saying he needs to play through the middle. He doesn't score the types of goals that a modern nine scores. He, he scores the types of goals that a fucking winger scores. He scores Mane-style goals. And he plays you know, on the counter. His his greatest asset is running in behind or doing something without thinking. Like the, the half volley, which he took so early, the one that Larice saved was yeah. the hardest out of all of them, by mm. far. And and, and I still thought he's anyone on target. And I still thought he <laughs> took it too early. He actually had more time than than what he did. But his his reaction is so good that way. Whereas the other two were almost inexcusable misses. You've got to take Toby, at least one of them. Toby, it was you a bit of like back as that last week that shot that he has against Schmeichel. And everyone's got their dicks off, jerking off about Schmeichel. What a world-class save. It's not a world-class save. It's a save that a top-six keeper should make. It was close enough to him. It wasn't in a corner. He didn't bury it. Lacazette just thought, I need to get this on target with power, but everyone starts losing it like it's some amazing save. 
I think it's the same with Aubameyang, where he hits the bar. You're a a world-class striker asking for £350,000 a week. You're in that position. I expect you to bury it. He should have buried it. And what happens, you score that goal, like I said, you make Mourinho uncomfortable. Making Mourinho uncomfortable means he's got to change things now. Gaps will appear. The people call it a Mourinho masterstroke. It's not a Mourinho masterstroke. We didn't give them a. We didn't give. We didn't give him a reason. We didn't give him. We didn't give him a reason to actually come out and do anything different. We played yeah. right into their hands because we didn't finish the chances that we had. So yep. when you don't finish your chances, when you don't finish your food, you get what you deserve, and that's a fucking sucker punch from Alderweireld and from Vardy. Yep, and, oh, then, it, it, you, and it then, was... then you compound that with literally a minute after scoring a goal, you see the most schoolboy thing that you can do that at any level of football you get told not to do. So Kalasnak decided that he was going to play that pass into Louise before he looked at the direction with which Louise was running. So there is nothing Louise mm-hmm. can do there. He is running left. And people online saying, oh, Louise strikes again. You're fucking retarded. I'm the first person to whip him when he fucks up. But that's not on him. That's on fucking kebab meathead <laughs> all every fucking day of the week. But it is such a junior mistake to make. So you get told to play with your eyes up, play with your head up. Now, if Kalasnak looks at the spot on the ball that he wants to hit and he's decided the pass he's going to make. And you know why the, the Tottenham player runs onto that so easily? Because in his head, he's thinking the only way that this ball can come back this direction if he passes it back to the keeper. He's running to put pressure on the keeper. He's not Mm -hmm. running to do anything else. All of a sudden, it's happy days. Louise is wrong-footed. And Kebab Meathead standing there saying, well, what do I do? And and this plays exactly into what Manny was saying. When you don't take your chances up front, when the ball's constantly recycling back you, and you know that you have weakness at the back, you know that you have bad players at the back, who make poor decisions, who make schoolboy errors. You know, Arsenal is an equation that just keeps compounding to fuck itself. You know, it's like fuckception. We're we're getting fucked inside our asses where there are microscopic people who are also getting fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Is that like a a simulation within a simulation? Yeah, except yeah. it's in your ass. <laughs> except you're getting fucked in your ass. So you know what? And and for a lot of people who who think this is just a reaction to us losing to Tottenham, it's not. These are the same conversations we've been having for so long, for so long. We I, I was chatting. I, I was chatting to a guy. Say, can I just make a quick point about what Manny yeah, uh, was saying about Mourinho and stuff, and everyone saying it's a Mourinho masterclass? Go watch every Mourinho game that we've played against him. And you'll see exactly the same style every time we've played against a Mourinho yeah. team. Every yeah. time. And we're still making the same mistakes against a guy who presumably has had it and who's passed it in the Premier League. See, but here's the, here is the thing. Again, we have a striker who people want us to pay £250,000 a week to. The chance in the first half, if you go back to his Dortmund days, these are chances he was gobbling up for fun. Yeah. Gobbling them up for fun. But then, fine, you miss that chance, whatever, you move on. Then you're played it on the left-hand side in a good position. 
as a £250,000 a week striker that we want to pay him that money, you bury it. They are strikers in world football. You give them half a sniff. I'm thinking Inzaghi. I'm thinking mm. Shevchenko when he was at his pump. I'm mm. thinking the Robbie, the Robbie Fowlers, the, you know, the Linekers. The you Van Nistelrooy's, the guys who scored tappings, the Shearers. You give them one. You fall asleep for one second. If you're a defender, when you're playing against those guys for 90 minutes, they know exactly where you are. You give them one second where you drop the ball, they bury you. This is what we assume Aubameyang is. He had two of those chances and mm. wasted them. And when you play against Mourinho, when those chances are few and far between, when you take them, other world happens every single time. Yeah. Yep. Toby, you and I were kind of chatting. Actually, Joel DeSilva just said Mark Viduka. Shout out for the big Aussie. One of the most underrated players ever to play in the Premier League. Mark Viduka, fantastic player. Toby, you and I were talking today about um, momentum and about how Arsenal play on momentum and how Arsenal players look better on momentum. We were kind of talking about the Aubameyang goal from the sack across in the last game. So Sabayos slides the ball in. Saka runs onto it, parks Evans on his ass, whips an early ball in, and Aubameyang runs onto it. But the momentum with Arsenal just seems to have this constant handbrake on. Players running in sand, players cutting back when you would almost prefer them just to take the Tierney approach and just get to the byline, win your corners, you know, knock your balls in, put balls into spaces where people aren't just because it makes defenders uncomfortable. And I'm getting the distinct feeling, and again, you know, it's Twitter and it's a fucking toilet, but I'm starting to get the feeling that other Arsenal fans are seeing the same thing. And that's why they're starting to question the coaching a little bit. And that's my thing, is Arteta too indoctrinated in an idea of possession? Is that why people are getting upset? Or do you still fall back on your sword that he doesn't have the players to play the style of football that he needs to be able to play? Because those are the things that I'm seeing and I am maybe a little bit fearful. And I'm not anti-Arteta. Don't, don't fuck me on it. I'm not anti-Arteta. But I am maybe a little bit fearful that he is not progressive fast enough. Mm, okay. Thanks for the five-minute multifaceted Stop. question. Um, I think football is easier in the transition. The, the goal that you just alluded to, the... The, there was a breakdown. Ceballos made a lovely pass. Xhaka was free. Um, skinned Johnny Evans. Aubameyang. Saka, not Xhaka. Xhaka never skinned anyone. That's in, his well, fucking, well, in his fucking life. Well, he actually did in this game. He sat fucking Harry Winks on his fucking ass and found Bellerin with a beautiful ball. And Bellerin did a, a very, hard, very hard first touch and sort of the anyway. move broke down. But... Coming back to your long-winded question, it's it's very hard to say because you don't play always how you want to play. You have to play against what the opposition is doing to to counteract what you're doing. All right, so I, I think transitional end-to-end, old-school, like idiotic four-four-two Premiership which is what we all loved from like the 90s and early 2000s, just absolute balls out end-to-end, lose the ball, transition, 
it, it was absolutely wonderful. But I, I think we're in a period now, like in a lot of sports, where the game is overcoached. So we're taking away a lot of the errors, which makes it more interesting. So, look, in answer to your question, which I'm not even directly responding to because I'm finding it so hard to answer in the first place. It was um, about whether or not Arteta is coaching this lack of momentum, not the players producing the lack of momentum. We don't have the technical players or the desire to play a possession-based game. I would say we're better off with the players that we have playing a counter-attack team and maybe even dropping some of the higher-paid players for runners and sprinters. Is that why we looked better with the Saka-Martinelli period at Arsenal because that was just (laughs) pure running? I think so, very simplistically. But then you can't win every game playing like that because you play against low blocks. So I think your question is actually unanswerable because football isn't played in one way. You have to play it in multiple different ways and that's why the season is long and that's why you've got players, teams like Sheffield United or or Wolves playing on the counter. You know, they, they don't play so well at home because they need teams to come at them, you know. So I don't think there is an answer, Max. And, and don't forget someone like, Pep Guardiola underperformed for his first year or two because he had to have all the right pieces in order to play the way that he wanted to play. So overall, I just think it's a a poorly assembled squad with a whole bunch of flaws and Arteta just has to find the right way to win each game. And that's, that's the whole fucking point of coaching and managing anyway. That's exactly it. We just, we we were, we're trying to set up a puzzle and we have duplicate pieces. We're missing pieces you know, we got fucking beer and fucking jizz on one of the other pieces, so it's soggy and it doesn't fit in the right hole. That's just that. That's just you know, it goes back. To, I hate saying it, it always goes down to down two, but it goes down to we need we need better players. But, it's like yeah. a kitchen. It's like a kitchen. Oh, will you fuck off with the? Leave it. Get out of the kitchen, bro. Just just find another find another analogy. Find another. Just just get out of the kitchen, bro. It. Uh, I don't, I don't know. While you're on it, while you've got yeah. the hot, so uh, it would be remiss of us not to talk about Lacazette absolutely cunting that one top corner. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we cannot. We none of us can deny. Not a single one of us could say that when Lacazette cunted that one, we didn't stand up on our couch, arms are raised, and scream Lacazette. He went on to do absolutely fucking nothing after that. I mean, (laughs) absolutely nothing. Is the goal from Lacazette maybe a a spark or is it at best a reason for us to be able to use him as a make way for another player with Atletico Madrid, which seems to be his his preferred destination? Definite make way. Definite make way, man. He's just, oh, he was struggling so bad. The ball was bouncing off him. Oh, I was irritated and I think it was in the lead up of that goal and I'm listening to the commentary and who's in the commentary? Alan Smith was there and there was somebody else and before the lead up to that goal they're talking about Alan Smith not eating and that really irritated me because I was like why are we talking about Alan Smith not eating 
Like we we're watching. That's the game was that shit that was talking about his food and what his wife did. <laughs> they were talking about. They were talking yeah, about his food. Why and- <laughs> <laughs> I remember that conversation. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm with my family. Like, no, like, wait a minute, why are we talking about Alex's food? And then you know, a minute or two later, boom, he's he's absolutely smashes it, right? And it caught me off guard. I was like, oh shit, because you know, I was still pissed off about the food conversation. <laughs> but after that, you know, and I gave him a plus one because it was a hell of a goal, right? Anyone who scores a goal in the North London derby like that, listen, you get a plus one mm. for me. Mm. But yeah. After, but after that, you know, he was being asked to be the, essentially the third midfielder, and it was breaking up. It was. But didn't it, you expect him to grow? Him. Didn't you expect I him to puff his chest out and say, I'm yeah. here, I'm going to go get a second. I'm, I'm like, fuck you, I'm not going to be in the midfield. You get me the ball or I'll come back and I'll get it and I'll beat someone. Yes, but I have a feeling, again, that this is when you, you know, when we're talking about the chalk on boots thing, you know, with Pepe, again, I think this is the system. This is how, it, it can't be, you know, the players play in this way because they just... Unequivocally, want- that three doesn't work. I'm telling you that now. Absolutely yeah. unequivocally, that three does not work. They're I don't, any, 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 any I don't think he them. would have played if Eddie was available. I don't think he plays either. Made I don't a difference, either because well, Eddie would have pressed harder. That's Eddie he's would not have, there for his. I'll tell you, I'll play. tell you something. I'll tell you something. Eddie does that. Lacquer doesn't do. I noticed it a couple of weeks ago. Run, yeah, but <laughs> Eddie, Eddie holds the sh- so Eddie holds the shape. So he's more willing to not get the ball for twenty minutes at a time and actually retain the shape. Mm. So by staying forward, he makes sure that the centre backs stay back. Lack right, yeah. gets so upset not being involved in the game, and, and people keep saying, "Oh, it's a tactic, it's a tactic." Lacazette keeps coming back. No, he's and following I'm like, the ball. Well, if it was Good a point. fucking tactic, then Nketiah would be doing it as well because it would be part of of Arteta's overarching plan. And what I find is Nketiah holds the shape, and when you hold the shape more, it actually allows it to stop compressing on itself. It allows it to open up and and spread. Mm. Just something or, I noticed. No, no, no. I, I think that's a fair point. And then when Pepe is the one that can come in and roam and you've got two runners playing off him, so he comes in narrow, plays as a pseudo 10, and then you've got two sprinters feeding off off, off those balls, then that in theory can work. I can, I can understand that happening. And potentially that's why Lacazette has been sat down recently and why it was such a a shame for us, not only because it turned the match against Leicester, but it also fucked up our plans for um, North London as well. So mm. uh, I, I, I think begrudgingly, because you're a cunt and you're unbelievably stupid, <laughs> I think you're, you've actually hit quite an insightful point. You know, even you know, a clock, even a broken clock is right twice a day, Toby. Or one. Correct. Is it right once or twice? Twice, you don't. Twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't get away, from, I can't get away from, from, you know, we, we, we're talking about this athlete thing, right? And I can't get away with, you know, Pepe's performance in this game, which I thought he was poor, but I didn't think he was. One of his, one of his worst Arsenal performances, in my opinion. I think he was poor, but there were periods where I saw glimpses of what we want to see from a guy, which is... Yeah. You know, Turn the decisive runs, taking the shot. You know, there was a period where he was really good, but I can't. He's him. winning fouls for us too, which is good. I yeah, can't... well, yeah, yeah, because he he, he can um he can be 
Sorry, Manny. He can be the release valve in a sense because if he gets the ball under pressure, so that spin and turn where whoever it was got a dirty yellow against him, that was opening up the play. Like we were heading for a, for a counter then and that's what we need. That's, you know, our um, sterile domination, like our sterile possession from back in the day. That's going to do fuck all. It's at the breakdown where a player like that can swivel, turn and sprint all in one motion and open it up for your runners, you know, like your Bamiangs and so forth. It's not even it's not even just that. It's just his best game, Pepe's best game recently was having Maitland Niles and Willock to yep. do, you know, the majority of things that he needed to sprinters. To, to sprinters. Athletes. Where Maitland Niles can, you know, go on the outside, he can get chalk on his boots, he can come in field. Max, you didn't wash your hands. Yeah, he got you no, did. You got two minutes. You seen the Happy Birthday song twice, right? Or once? once I twice. did. Did you, did you wash your hands, bro? Oh, I washed my hands, bro. <laughs> I washed them in. It's I washed them, I washed them with my own piss. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying, you know, Pepe being allowed to do, you know, what he did in that game, Sheffield United, was because he had Maitland Niles who would make that run and he would get ball, you know, to chalk on his boots and he would, you know, go on the outside, which is what he wanted, which is what, you know, he wouldn't do for Davis because somebody else could do it for him. And then having Yeah, but isn't it funny how ball, styles make fights? Shut up, Max. I didn't finish. <laughs> having one every episode. Having, <laughs> having with a half space, right, allowed Pepe to get closer to goal. And he is a wonderful finisher. Right when he gets on target, he's a wonderful finisher. So I can't. <sighs> in order to get the best out of you know Pepe, and we need we need to look at how to get the best out of Pepe because Bamiang's not going to be here long enough. In order to get the best out of somebody like him, is to have runners, athletes, and players who are willing to be in spaces that will allow him to get closer to the goal. And I think the thing with so, Mayla Niles too is he. Well, with Bellerin, he he tends to push more inside. He he, he hits the ball to the inside of his foot. He kind of drags the ball into the middle. Bellinales will run. He's an athlete. He's willing to kind of stay a little bit more on the on the end line, so Pepe can kind of shift in and kind of you know drag into the middle, which is what he Bellerin wants to doesn't do. have the motor, mate. No, Bellerin I know. That's have, why I, I thought too. Bellerin and Saka played a lot better together because Saka is a more technical player who wants to give and go and hold the ball up and pass. That was, but yeah. Styles make fights, and Pepe needs an athlete on the outside of him who's actually going to go beyond him because when that player goes beyond, it takes the defender. It then stops Pepe being two-on-one. It puts Pepe one-on-one -on -one with the inside defender. He's a shift inside and a curl one yeah, was my I also think the Joe Willick thing is interesting on. because Ceballos gets a fucking nosebleed once he gets to the edge of the box, and Willick keeps running. And again, when you have players who are running, like when we had a Ramsey there, when you have players who continue, it's almost like, Toby, it's almost like a fucking decoy block play in a rugby league game when you get someone burst through the line, right? They have to, defenders have to commit. And Willock, he makes defenders commit. Whether he fucks up or not, doesn't matter. He makes them commit. Ainsley Maitland-Niles makes them commit. The thing with Bellerin is he likes to change the shape and he likes to play these interesting, intricate passes. And I think down the right, if you've got Bellerin, Ceballos, even I'll go back further than that, if you've got Mustafi, Ceballos, Thacker down the right, you've got four players down that channel who all want to give and go, who all want to slide in, who you're comfortable with in possession, who you're comfortable with in tight spaces. 
So yeah. that side makes more sense. Then all of a sudden you put Pepe in there and you change it up and you put Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Joe Willock, Pepe in there, and that suits Pepe more. So it's all kind of – all styles make fights at the moment. I've said that like 10 times, styles make fights, but I genuinely and, do think styles and make fights. We were going to make those changes anyway. I think we're, we're giving Bellerin a little bit of a disservice this game because I actually think that's the best he's looked for a really long time. Yeah, I thought he's awesome. most – I thought his motor looked good. I thought his passing looked good. I thought his his movement looked good. And I'm not going to jump the gun and say he's back, but he looks closer to being back than he has done as as of yet. So let's let's think about that. We've um, got our Hector back. Yeah, look, the the Sabios thing is interesting <laughs> because he is is very good in tight spaces as we know. He's he ticks over he ticks over the play very nicely. He's got a bit of a motor on him. Um so but the one player that he's linking in really poorly with is Lacazette. I think that's the missing piece in that puzzle. So you can either have the drive from deeper and arriving later in the box, but you sacrifice the technicality if you're using someone like Willock. You're gonna have more Loss of possession, you're going to have more transitions if you play a Willock there, but you might have more goal-scoring opportunities. Whereas if you play someone more clever, like Ceballos, you need a better number nine to feed off of. It's it's those connections mm. with other players I think, I think we're missing with. So I don't think it's Pepe's fault. I don't think it's Bellerin's fault. I just... The the right pieces need to, to match up. And I think... Um, you know what you could say, Toby... Styles make fights. Oh, just yeah, shut. yeah. It's about yeah, being a kitchen. Don't say kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <here we> go. <laughs> um, has anyway, anyone got I, anything that we haven't? Can Can I just say? This? Can I just say one thing? I don't think Spurs's midfield was technical at all. You've got Harry Rings and and Sissoko, and I don't think they are crash hot technically, but they're both athletes. They both play the dark arts, they both, you know, do the fouls at the right time and they sprint fucking hard when it comes up. And we we got done a couple of times with that, with some nasty little fouls. As soon as we looked like we'd broken up their shape, we were we were fouled. Mm-hmm. And, and Harry Winks' systematic fouling was impressive as well. I think they I think I almost all think almost all the teams in the Premier Such League do guy. systematic fouling so much better than what we do. So, anyone How, got anything else? How he winks his face. He's a he, fuck, yeah. He has a, he has a punchable fucking... I think Lamella's way worse. He has the, fa- he has the face of a guy who eats a lot of ass. And I mean, not like, oh, you know, he eats a lot of ass, like, good on him. I mean, like, eats like a like that's his preference. Look, we've all eaten ass, but like, no one's going to say like that's my preference. Harry Winks, Harry Winks, <laughs> he he walks into a brothel, and the the girl at the brothel says like, "What do you want?" And Harry Winks like, "I I want to eat some dirty, some like dirty shitty ass." And like, that's I'm just going to do a I'm just going to do a manny and just like fucking leave the room in a second. You finish so poorly sometimes. Are you? Are you wrapping up this now? And is that what you wanted to finish on? As if, if, no, if no one else had anything to say, I was going to finish on Harry Winks eating I know I always bring this up and I hate links and I hate uh, rumors and shit, but we're linked with a guy, uh, Woot Weghorst, the, the Wolfsburg striker. I think he answers a lot of questions. 
especially with what uh, Toby was saying. He's, I would say he's like, he's a pretty much a Giroud, but he's more athletic. He's a little taller. That's what you would want. Yeah. And that's yeah. exactly what we need. And I really hope we get him because he's not, he's not going to be terribly expensive and we don't got to worry about fucking signing. I mean, I know Bob Yang would like him on the left, blah, 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 blah. But I and I think that's a problem too. Is I think we're so we want to play this world our world class player in a bombing on the left. But hey, we signed Pepe for eighty eight million. We have to play him too. But I I agree with exactly what Toby's saying. They both want to drift into the middle of the field. And we we can't have that. Especially on top of that, we have Lacazette coming back. So it's like it's just so many. It's it's almost like a traffic jam up front. And I, and I think we need to solve that with a tall motherfucker like Whitehorse. So hopefully we can. Uh, I mean, I hope we can get him for a cheap. You know, such a such a stronger finish for you than last week, Ryan. Like such a, <laughs> I've got such a... so, I've got so much shit for that, but I, I don't regret a single thing. Well, no, it's all good. Other than sucking Frenchy's dick, but that's about it. Or the other the other approach, Ryan, is, is is we do get one of those strikers and we have a plan B, and the other way of playing more speedy strikers who can't hold up the ball very well is play on the counter. Yeah, but so, Toby, you, know, you said this earlier on. There's more than one way. To cook a uh, poussin, right? You what? can cook it on the crown. You can cook it on the breast, right? Sometimes you want to counterattack your poussin. Sometimes you want to sit in a low block with your poussin. I'm, I'm, I'm dropping French for you here, Manny. Like, I, can see you, I can see you nodding along with my culture. It's a very small chicken. It's a very small chicken, Ryan. You are you're an idiot. Yep. <laughs> Oh, finishing God. strong hey dudes it like we're at the end of our podcast and can i just say true to form we just managed to do a north london derby podcast having never mentioned the score having never mentioned the lineup having seldom spoken about anyone who actually did anything in the game we just talked shit and had opinions for an hour and 22 minutes and that's what the ass brothers is all about uh thank you to dan the pod whore for finding some time to take his mouth off the many many penises of podcast <laughs> with which he sucks the dicks off. It's like Dan is like all over the place, man. And like the, the adulation that he gets from the ass community really is just come in his face. Um, and we love Dan for that. Ass <laughs> Bandit, Toby, Scunny Mike, Manny, Ryan, I'm four or five beers in. My mouse is broken. And I'm hoping when I press this button, because I've been using my tab key furiously to get it to end broadcast. I hope it's going to work. If it doesn't work, you're going to hear a whole lot of calafel, calafel, kafafel, and I'm probably going to have to go get my wife. Good night. Ah, oh, you fucking dirty <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait. Hey. <laughs>